Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, guys. This is Stack and Pennies presented by Mobile One. What was in the water this week in Pocono? We had Denny Hamlin and Larson getting into it. We had the 45 and the 3. And, of course, we had Ryan Priest coming to my window to try to give me the business. We're going to break that down right here in Stagging Pennies. Stagging them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stagging pennies. All right, guys, here we are. This is Stagging Pennies. Huge show coming up. We got all things Denny Hamlin breaking down his 50th cup win. I'm joined by Mr. Chuck Bush. Yo. Mr. Jonathan Merriman. How are you? And the most dedicated pit crew tire changer on pit road. He felt like he was losing a step. He said, you know what? I'm going to start donating my organs so I can get a little lighter and get around that car a little faster. Ryan Flores got his appendix ripped out for the cause. Got to do what you got to do. I mean, my man's motivated. He Just in time to get healed up for the playoffs, too. I'm going to be flying around at Darlington. Dude. He he's playing chess. Everybody else is playing checkers. They're trying to lose some weight. He's getting his appendix ripped out to get faster on pit road. Okay, okay. Let's just go ahead and talk about this elephant in the room. The incident in which I was attacked in my car on pit road after the race. But let's see it broken down. And I'll lead you to what happened between the 7 and the 41 for, I don't know, like 20th place. Let's just go ahead and get into it, I guess. So we're riding along with a 48. And the 48 gets a good run out of two, and he makes a three-wide bottom. So let's pause it here to the point in which we all lift. And he, at this moment where the video stopped, I'm legitimately thinking like, okay, him and I got into it at Chicago. Is he going to stick it in there, or is he going to not crash all of us? And I leaned by the way of, I think he's going to stick it in there because he was frustrated with me from a couple weeks ago. But at the time we all committed to the corner, he was good with letting us make the corner too wide. I didn't realize I was already committed to the corner running of laying off the, the bottom because I thought the 48 was going to be in there. The 41 spotter didn't say that the 48 was looking, so Ryan entered as though we were th- too wide, where I entered as if we were three wide and we were both fighting for the same real estate. He entered on my right front, so I was just kind of bound up in a bad arrow spot and got into him and turned him around. So, spun out. We don't finish good. He obviously doesn't finish good. We come down pit road, and I genuinely felt bad. I I spun Brad out of California. Felt bad about that. You're just racing hard. You're racing for the same piece of real estate. It happens. Come down pit road, and he came around under caution, like uh, under the you know, cool down lap and pulls in front of me. And I was like, okay, I guess we'll figure out, we'll just get, we'll get talking about it now. So we get parked 
and I can see seatbelts flying and I can see him like frustrated. And I'm, I've got my belts off. I've got undoing my Hans clips, doing my radio connector, got my visor up. And I'm like all ready to get out and just like get probably an expected ass Raymond for spinning them out, which I probably deserve. Not on purpose. But then I see the aggression in which he gets out of his car. And I'm like, oh, he is not. He is not wanting to talk. He is running at me. So I, as I saw him come, my visor was open. So I shut it to make sure he didn't, Captain Insano, poke me in the eyes. Number one, that'd be a great move to start, but I didn't allow him to do that because I shut my visor. And then he reached in the car, kind of like Boyer and Newman hit Charlotte a couple years ago. And I grabbed his left hand that he put in there. I kind of pinned it up against the steering wheel. And he slapped around the helmet a couple times. And then my fearless leader, Ryan Sparks, came and wrapped him up Bowman Gray style. Called me a piece Hey, Sparks has got my back. Got a couple guys wrangling him up, and that was the last I saw of him. And he was mad. Um, so you knew it was coming. The pace in which his ass got out of his car, he didn't want to talk. Now, I can understand. He's frustrated. I think it's a couple of weeks in a row. I think Ricky Stenhouse got him wherever we were. McDowell got him last week at Loudon. I got him this week. So I think he just was obviously not having a great season, so he just was super frustrated. And I don't know, man. Full transparency. Never been in a fist fight. Don't want to be in a fist fight, especially for 21st. So in, in terms of driver etiquette, I mean, you knew he was coming at you and you knew he was mad anyways, but when someone sticks their head in your window, is that like, where's the line of demarcation? I don't, know, like, what the, I don't know what that means. Like, where is the line where, where you know, say he just walked up to your window, but if he sticks, if, if a driver sticks his head in your window. He didn't really stick his head in the window. It was just kind of arms flailing. Gotcha. And like, I don't know. I just I don't feel like that's the way to do business, but I mean, hey, if if you're mad and you see red, there's probably not a whole lot of things that make sense of what you're going to do anyway. So, have you talked to him since? No. You should call him right now. <laughs> uh, priest, you're on second page. What's your take about this week? No, like he can go back and listen, look at SMT. He can go back and look at that that in car camera, the 48. He he got the short end of the stick, but I thought the 48 put me in a compromising position. I didn't want to chop the 48 and then wreck all three of us. So you're just racing hard at the end, and he got turned around. So um, I think that it's just a collective frustration on his season. And the last couple of weeks, he's got the short of the stick, and, you know, I was the straw that broke the camel's back. So, but, yeah, interesting tussle for sure. Now I'm not sure if that spills over into the following weeks. I'm sure he's going to race me hard, which he should. I don't know. I just thought that that was a little bit uh, – I don't know. I feel like that could have been handled over a stern conversation as opposed to slapping my helmet around a little bit. That escalated quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Um, that was a breakdown. Never been in a fist fight before, Chuck, and I don't want to start now. Me but I damn sure don't want to be in a fist fight for 23rd. Maybe for third, maybe for second. If I feel like I got backed in the fence, I could maybe get mad enough to where I want to throw hands. But, you know. I also wasn't on the receiving end of getting spun out, so I don't know. What if you got spun out for the third week in a row? I mean, Priest has had a rough – he's had a rough year. He's definitely had a rough stretch, right? I think Stenhouse got him two weeks ago. Last week he was in a a scrap almost, like definitely a, a war of words with Michael McDowell. I think he was ready to hit him, and then you know, he gets spun out coming to the white this week, and just unfortunate that it was you and him because I think you and him have a lot of respect for each other being short track guys, but – some guys hit their breaking points. I don't blame him, and I do too. He called me some names, but sticks and stones don't break my bones, Chuck. 
That was a good cussing, though. Like I, I did I gotta, you feel like your dad was talking to you back in the day? When oh, you I felt like ours? I just stuffed a, like a late model in the fence, and my dad was just dog cussing me. <laughs> <laughs> who, who yelled at you worse, Bobby Santos's team last week after the modified race, or Priest? I have, I have got a real northeastern attitude <laughs> in the last two weeks in a row. I got called oh the best one last week. You know, so, some woman on that team because I got I inadvertently. Fed Bobby Santos the right rear nerf bar when he wanted to stay out there. I recommended that he didn't, but he did. It ended up him crashing. So I get out and I wanted to just tell my side of the story to Santos and his team. And some some woman was like, "Ah, this fucking superstar, fucking superstar coming here. He sucks and sucks on Sundays. Coming here sucking modifieds too, superstar." You know <laughs> what you should have told Bobby Santos? What you should have just went with the Danny Hamlin deal. Yeah, man, I never touched you. I should have, <laughs> but I'm also not going to lie because I know I touched him. And, you know, maybe we'll get into the Denny Hamlin stuff in a yeah, second. Yeah. Fast forward another week to my other Northeastern ass chewing. There was some emphatic F-bombs. In that. Yeah. There was some pent-up F-bombs. Yeah. Well, I mean. Just a frustrating year. He got it all out, all that frustration. Can't cuss at his pit crew. Can't cuss at his crew chief. I can shoulder that burden. <laughs> You're Carrying a therapist. Well, and that was my question. Just get it off your chest, big guy. Are we seeing, like, as the, you know, the window to the playoffs is getting shorter and shorter, does that then increase some of that frustration on top of what he's experienced the past couple of weeks? I don't think it's that so much. as like getting – feel like if you get crashed three weeks in a row and then yeah. also coming into the season, right, there's a lot of expectation for, for him. That's his first – this is his first real opportunity with a good team. Um, you know, and the year hasn't collectively of Stuart Haas been – good for anybody except for the four. So there's just a lot to be frustrated about. And I, I get it, man. It's, it's uh, the, the expect the trying to meet expectations that your team isn't capable of meeting wears on. you. And, uh, but yeah, he got, I spun him right out. I thought I was middle three wide. He didn't know that the 48 put it down there late last minute. And he entered tight to my right front. I couldn't stay off him. So it was a racing deal, and you're also going fast. The tunnel turns bumpy. Like, sorry, dude. Like, didn't mean to dump you. Just, it's freaking racing. Just like the like the three and the 45 is like a racing deal. It's not like Tyler Reddick drove in over his head. He had a run. He showed the nose. The three tried to block it, and he ended up absolutely annihilating the fence. Could Do you think you could have hit Reddick's car with your helmet if you threw it? I thought about this. You don't practice a helmet throw. Tony Stewart didn't have to. Do That's it. why Tony Stewart's Bristol helmet throw is so impressive. It's level though. His yeah, is level. He's on yes. the road and he's throwing straight at that car. Austin Dillon is throwing into the banking. Chuck's over here doing geometry. And, <laughs> and yes, and trigonometry real quick. Their pace car speed yeah. is what Chuck? Tell, uh, tell me. There like, was it fifty five there. Fifty five miles an hour. Yeah, not at Bristol. But Bristol is coming head on, so it's coming straight at him. Yes, but Bristol, here, you're he's thirty. Hitting, you're he's hitting a moving target in this too. Hey. Bristol, hey, you're let's give let's give credit where credit's due. I think Austin probably wasn't too pumped up with the location and the placement of his helmet throw. Also, now you got another helmet. He's a he's right. a damn little league world champion. He is little league world series baseball champion. I expected a little bit better out of him, right. but what base runner is going 55 miles an hour? Hell, there's some of them kids. You watch man, me run around a kickball diamond, Chuck. You'd say you you change your tune. What are some of the best? Driver equipment piece. Uh, there's only been a couple. Uh, Ward Burton, Ward, booties at Bristol. That The quote after that was mm -hmm. what made that so. 
What is it? Wish I had a rifle or shooter oh, doing your Wish window. I would have had something to shot through the windshield. Yeah. I think is what he said. And then Tony's helmet throw. Somebody did a uh, – Somebody threw a Hans. Robbie somebody threw a threw Hans, Hans. But in that same vein, someone said that it looked like Priest coming up to you looked like when Lake Speed got punched by Michael Walter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I, just, I was just surprised how quickly he got out. Like, that car stopped and he's – He was – I'm telling you, his shit was flying around. Looked like he was swatting bees in that thing. And he got out when this car was still rolling. I was like, ooh, Ryan is frustrated. <laughs> and then I saw him like, oh, he doesn't want to talk. I literally just like shut my visor. Because <laughs> I like, when that, did you put in the move? Like, when did you put the net down? When did you put the net down? On like, the down the back stretch? Okay. Yeah. Will you Just continue to, to do that, or will you wait till the coast I'm gonna, is clear from uh, Yeah, on? I'm going to like leave my window net up and like look both ways before I get out. Maybe just drive my hauler, my car to the hauler. It's wild. Wild day. I had a wild day. Freaking stepped on my d- Yeah, can't pull up to pit, yeah. bud. Oh, I egregiously pulled up to pit. I just, for one, it's probably like the third time in my life I've ever been leading the field down for a, a yellow flag stop, and I just gassed up. Like I generally do when I'm like tenth in line because you just gas up to the car in front of you. Well, I beat the pace car to there's like a painted line on the mm-hmm. front of pit road and on the racetrack, and I beat the pace car there by like two feet. But that's a rule. Do not pull up to pit. Is that the first time you ever pitted under caution from the lead? Less than three times I can count. Yeah, maybe uh, Atlanta, maybe. And um, that's a pretty easy place to do it because you peel off on the straightaway. Yeah. It's not like a corner where you peel off or where it's you're, you're going straight with the car. So if you turn off, it's pretty apparent that you pull up the pit there. Yeah, definitely a learning experience. And I thought that had we had I not done that, had I not got the penalty, we'd have lined up 14th and we were the first car on four tires, which I considered the entire day a waste because of that. Big wasted opportunity. Race on the 47, race around the 43. Uh, and those guys ran sixth and seventh, and I thought that I was better than both of those guys. So super frustrated at myself for making that mistake. That's just one of those things, like, I got to learn. Like, if you're the guy leading, like, that's just one more thing that it's, like, never been in my toolbox of that I've had to worry about. So Kelly did have a – my wife had a, a good, like, silver lining of, like, hey, at least you weren't, like, in control of the race. We were going to pit and come out 14th, best-case scenario. At least you didn't come down leading the race on the money stop and lose the race because of that. So hopefully in years to come, you get yourself in that position. And then that's just one thing that you have learned to not do. And from a team perspective, that's a good strategy call that played out that the way you wanted it to play out when you guys are game planning a race. I mean, there's a positive there, I would think. Well, our weekend overall, I felt was a positive until that with, with our best qualifying effort of the year car had a lot of speed in it and we were racing up in the top 10 to 15, got in the fence, got like in a, in a bad arrow spot outside of Bubba, hit the fence, put right side tires on it, and then just fought and clawed, got herself in a decent spot. And then I gave it all back again. So that freaking stunk. All that I know is after the whole scuffle and Sparks wrapped up Priest and brought him away, like the overwhelming sound of booze coming from the grandstands. Yeah. I believe we have a new villain in town, Chuck. But, I mean, it was Jeff Gordon-esque, like Jeff Gordon at Talladega-esque. Oh, when they were throwing shit on the Well, somebody did throw one thing yeah. over the catch I, fence. But... I also saw somebody try to throw something else that the fence caught. Like, you see something come was down. Was it a can? It, what was it? It was a bo- like a bottle Tomato? of water-looking thing. No, somebody, threw, somebody was trying to clear it with, with 
beverages. Yeah. But Denny's quote after the race. It's an all-timer. All-timer. Put it on a T-shirt. The quote was, they can boo my rock here in a couple of years. Which, for some context around that, for those who might not know, when you walk into the kind of the straightaway that leads like in the infield into the garage area, they have five or six black and gold painted rocks for like guys who have won a significant amount of races there. They got David Pearson rock. They got a Richard Petty rock. They got, I don't know who else they have, but a couple others, maybe a Tim Richmond rock. And surely after seven cup wins of Pocono, Denny's going to have a rock. So all those fans that are booing him, they're going to be walking by and looking at Denny's rock for as long as there's a rock in Pocono. He did tweet out a couple of screenshots of fans giving him double birds, and he considered them to be 11s is what he said. So. A lot of fan support <laughs> yeah. there. Hey, like the guy or not, that son of a can get around Pocono, buddy. I Seven. loved it. My, the quote for the, of the weekend for me was, uh, when Priest spun out, it was a perfect opportunity to throw the caution because of where he spun out. They had time to throw the caution. Then he didn't, so the race ended under caution, which I think was terrible. It was a bummer. But whoever it was, I don't know if it was Jeff Burton or Latart, but they were like, man, these fans are booing the race under caution. And Dale Jr. goes, I don't think that's why they're booing. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah. it's because he's an 11 car. And, uh, man, it, but but for him to just get out and kind of hold up seven fingers, it was, it was funny. And the way the whole deal went down with the five car, I mean, it takes a lot for Larson to get mad. Um, and he drove up there. I think you're – and it just shows – your initial reaction when you get stuck in the fence like that is to turn down and right hook somebody. Yeah. And Larson wanted to do that, but he caught himself doing it. So he just chased him down the racetrack. And, you know, for Larson to drive up there under caution and run into him and kind of stick him in the fence and then just kind of be as aggravated as he is. You know, Larson's a guy that doesn't get shook up or pissed off too often, but he did get spun out early in the race. And, uh, you know, like he said, and I think, I think, if you've watched any Hamlin long enough or you have been around him at all, you kind of realize what Kyle said is like, hey, all the buddies know Danny's never Danny's never wrong. And, you know, Danny, Danny Hamlin is, has won 50 races and done well. You know, he has his own race team and he's done a lot of stuff. He's got his own airplane for a reason. He's and, also uh, won 10,000 races. <laughs> he's, he's, ran, he's raced. He's raced 10,000 races. Yeah. Which Landon Castle can do the math on that if you want, if you want to find that out. But – but yeah, he's you know, dude's got his own airplane for a reason. Because he has been good from the time he sat in that eleven FedEx car for sure. Swept the first time both Pocono races and was that Odin? Oh six. Six. Yep. So hey, give credit where credit's due, and he is now the proud wearer of the black cap in NASCAR, I believe. What Here's do I don't I don't think like I I don't think he did anything wrong, do you? Just just the incident. He says just racing for the win. If it was any take the numbers off the car. Racing for the win, do you think the driver in that car did something wrong? Mm. The only reason I'm not I think gonna, I, don't, I can't I can't say yes, but I also can't say like nope, that was all. Fine it was for the end. win. It was for the win within five to go. The thing yeah. that the thing that sucks is like the older I get, the more I become like Teddy Christopher, and I like can appreciate guys like he. He's just one that I grew up around. They're they're all over the country, but Teddy Christopher would race you hard and. When you raced him back hard, he didn't come over to your trailer bitching, right? Like, Danny will race guys hard, and it's fine. But he wants to cry about Ross Chastain. He wants to cry about Joey Logano. He wants to be mad at these guys when he gets raced hard back. Like, do it. I want Danny Hamlin to race like that. I thought it was great. I thought, you know, a sellout crowd, we put on a hell of a show at Pocono. 
But when it gets done to you, don't be, you know, standing on a soapbox wanting the sport to change in your favor. I don't those are all good facts. Where were you at this weekend, Ryan? Jersey Shore. Man, I well, first and foremost, I came up here just to to visit and I was gonna go to Wall Stadium Saturday night, but I woke up Saturday morning feeling pretty bad, knowing that I couldn't pit uh and feeling the way I did. So I went to the hospital here in Bricktown, New Jersey, and uh they said, Yeah, appendix is gonna come out in about an hour. Good for you. So made some just phone like, calls. Just like he planned it. Yeah, so made some phone calls and uh Joseph young Joseph Dilly, our backup front tire changer, he went in this weekend. Twelve car had a shot to win the race, but we'll break that down and both some woes. But yeah, it was really cool to watch. I almost had a little bit of FOMO. And I I'll I'll pose a question to you on this. Pocono, the the old victory lane was kind of a I, I guess it was kind of like a landmark or a staple, but it was a little bit antiquated as well. It looked really cool with that kind of blown down and the way you did driver intros, it it was packed. Uh, it looked like it had just a really good vibe. And uh, tracks where we go just once seems to be the ticket. I think we should – I stand on I'll, – I'll die on that hill where I think we should go to Daytona, Talladega, and Martinsville twice. And everywhere else we should probably just go once. And Bristol. Uh, no, Bristol once, man. Where, we, went to, gonna... we went to – going to Bristol twice was so great we put dirt on it. Fair point. What are you going to give me for a second Bristol date? Nashville Fairgrounds, Rockingham, North Wilkesboro. What about Iowa, Chuck? Des Moines is a fun town. I like I and why don't you pronounce the S? I don't know because they're Iowans. But going out to Newton and that whole area, like that's a cool, cool place. I enjoyed going out there for Xfinity. And I think that's a place I could make an argument for that place, like a Kentucky. I to go every two, three years. I think this new car would race really good at Kentucky. I agree. Yeah. It would race good at Chicago land. I mean, I think yeah. we, you know, we built a car to succeed on mile and a half, and we did. And, you know, there's room to go to all those places just once. Yeah. And the past two years at Pocono, like you had that finish last year with Denny and Ross. But then this year, like this race was one where, okay, we talked about earlier with the tempers flaring. Like that's normally something that you think, okay, maybe a Richmond, a, a Bristol, a short track that's going to flare up. But at Pocono to have multiple incidents where drivers were angry at other drivers, some tight racing, some big wrecks. And we've known that at Pocono. Yeah. I think, I think a culprit of that is because track position is so important there. It's so hard to pass. I would say that if a general intermediate, say a Vegas or someplace with some banking is a, 50% 50% loss in downforce, what it feels like, of what your overall capability is behind a car. Behind somebody at Pocono, because the, the corners are flatter, you're going faster, is probably 80%. Like, you lose all capability in your car when you're behind somebody. So I think that is part of the aggression with those late moves, those really close instances where guys are trying to take advantage of getting a spot. Because if you have a run, you have to take it because you it takes you another – three or four laps to generate another run to get that opportunity. Uh, So I think that's why we saw a lot of aggression and a lot of her tempers. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. 
and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel, it's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. For me, race day is a great reason to shut down the laptop, put the phone on silent, and simply enjoy the driving. But Mobile One wants to remind you that you can get that same kind of escape any day of the week. How? By simply hopping in your car, rolling the windows down, and hitting the road. No emails, no calls, no work, just freedom. Mobile One, for the love of driving. Visit loveofdriving.us slash NASCAR to learn more. Do you think that the atmosphere being... You know, being a sold-out race and the atmosphere being as electric as it was in front of that many people with the infield that packed and just the vibe around the race, I think that adds to, you know, the show and, and people's tempers, you know, being elevated. Um, I don't, I don't think that's wrong. I don't think personally, I don't really, I don't know, I don't feed off that necessarily. I think that you go, but when you do go to place and the in, you the second you go through the infield, and every spot's full, there's so many people in the garage area and on pit road. It it does like, it makes you realize how cool of a sport we got. Similar to Daytona 500, similar to Bristol Night Race, but I don't think that you know those five or six inst- instances throughout the race that bent people's feelings was because the it was a sold out crowd infield and in the grandstands, but I just think that every week, no matter if it's sold out or whether, whether it's not one soul in the grandstands, winning a cup race is so hard and so important for the trajectory of your team, the season collectively, like you have to take risks. You have to take a lot of risks, especially if you're racing a Kyle Larson, like a, like a Denny Hamlin is like, you got to put that guy in position to not choose to drive in the fence or, or or lift. So I don't know. Do do I agree with the fact that he said he didn't hit him? He definitely doored him. Not very hard, but enough. And like Ryan said, going for the win. You gotta go get those five playoff points when you can. So NBC tweeted this out that this this cup race at Pocono on the USA network averaged a tad over two point eight three million viewers. Ranking as NBC's most watched cup race on cable since 2019. Marks the most watched cup series race on any cable network in more than two years. This is their best season to start off since 2018 for NBC with viewership. It's a big deal. Yeah. And it's timed pretty well, too, because we're getting close to some pens on paper of what the next decade for the sport looks like in terms of TV contracts. So that's everybody's excited. It's funny how, like, athletes in, like, a contract year a lot of times perform. <laughs> perform better. Like, is the sport as a whole, like, in, in a, a contract, contract year, year, like, you know what? I'm going to show out this year. <laughs> it has worked out that way of sorts. <laughs> um, but that also comes just, I think, that as the competition continues to, like, the back of, like, the, back of the field now is inching closer and closer to the front of the field. So the difference of having a good day running third and having a bad day isn't like 12th anymore. It's like 22nd. So the inten- overall intensity I feel like is raised collectively in the sport, whether you're with a elite team or whether you're a mid-level team or with your back with a back marker team. And that's also not to shift gears, but that's 
why I'm in the very small minority of people that Justin Haley going to Rick Ware racing isn't a terrible, terrible move. I think from a fan's perspective who don't know the – like for all intents and purposes, Rick Ware Racing is a Wood Brothers-Penske type relationship with RFK in the same shop, sharing information, set up information, sharing engineers. If Justin feel there's obviously a financial play at this that we don't need to get into, but there's a substantial amount of money being exchanged or not being exchanged is the reason why he's not going back to the 31. And Rick Ware made him an offer to pay him as a race car driver and not have to bring much sponsorship. And that was the only option that Justin had on the table. So that's what he felt like was best for his career. And I don't think that it's like career suicide uh, like some people do. I think that it's going to position him in a decent spot if he over if he exceeds what the expectations are, if he has some good runs, I think it could put him in the line for some some better feeder for teams in the future. But what is that what is that expectation for that car? I mean because last, second, third to last. Yes. Yeah. I mean it's not past 30th place. So, with that being said, if he goes and runs 20th, if he goes and has a couple 12th place days, like Justin Stock is going going to go higher in that situation than it would be running 12th at Colleague. And look, right. he, he still gives you a shot at Daytona Talladega, Atlanta, Ju- because Justin he's, is he's pro- a stud. Justin, along Dude, he with, ran with second Mike at Michael, Chicago. Yeah. Like, he has those. He ran second or third at Texas last year. Like, Justin Haley Could you is imagine an underrated wheelman. If he would have won that Chicago race. I wouldn't have been super happened. surprised. Like, it was, a, it was a funky race, and he has a lot of road course experience. I know, but I'm saying if – if you have a guy that's qualified for the playoffs in the 31 by winning by winning Chicago and then I mean because this announcement this deal didn't get signed in the past week you would assume yeah it, well, it had been it had been coming together for weeks I think it's great for both parties I think Rick Ware when you look at Rick Ware I think they're making a big you know a big swing at trying to be more competitive they brought on you know Robbie Benton and Tommy Baldwin and guys like Jerry Kelly they they've got you know, real high level guys now and they're definitely, you know, paying, paying guys good money to work on these cars. And it's a, it's a big step for, for them to, to hire a a driver. And it's a big step equally for Justin Haley, because instead of paying to be a race car driver or whether he's paying money or there's something, you know, having to bring a certain amount of sponsorship to being the 31. Now he's a paid race car driver. So that that's a big difference, and and it's you know it's it's working out for both parties, but they seem both dedicated in in the giving this their their best swing. So hopefully it works out for both of them, and you get you know another if not two more competitive cars out of the deal. Well, that's that's another that's another deal because when the thirty one becomes vacant now, you know you're going to get a, a front running guy from Xfinity Series potentially, or you know whoever the odd man out over at Front Row is potentially. So there's a lot of like the the caliber driver, like there's better and better quality on average drivers coming in just because there's only so many seats at the table. And when, when teams are looking at signing a driver long-term, like the driver is the quarterback, right? He's the guy that touches the ball every play and your, your good days can become really good or your good days can become really bad based solely off the driver's input, right? If they're having a bad day, if it's off racetrack, if they make one mistake for a split second, your day is over for the entire company. So when you have a Justin Haley who has proven he can get the job done on super speedways, on road courses, on intermediates, 
Rick made a legitimate push to go hire a experienced, you know, quote quarterback to to build around their franchise. Are we starting to see? You know, we've talked about it for a while. I know Denny talked about shifting the business model slight, slightly when he was on the show. When was that? Preseason almost. Yeah. But, you know, is this sort of that, all right, let's find somebody that we can build around as a team? I mean, it's Spire. Like, obviously, it feels like they've invested in you to help build around the team, to help mm-hmm. grow the team. With the new car and all of that, are we seeing this, all right, the talent's here. Let's invest in the talent, and hopefully we can build this and get some better finishes so then we can get better sponsors. But it's not somebody's, you know, driver is bringing all of this money to a team to just go race. It's we're focusing on talent and getting the right people in the right places. Well, I think that that's a loaded question, but, you know, a guy like everybody has had a different hand of cards dealt to them to get to the Cup Series or to get experience, to position them to drive a Cup car. And, you know, my path looks different than Justin Haley's path, looks different than Denny Hamlin's path. But at the end of the day, when you get to Sunday, you show if you can sink or swim and – Justin Haley has showed that he belongs in the Cup Series and has been in the top 23, 24 in points the last two years at college. So he has earned the opportunity for a team to invest in him to build around them and grow. So that's not an easy task to get that headwind of like buying a ride and trying to figure figure out a spot that that knows your value as a race car driver and what you can bring in terms of just morale and it, it to – to be a driver in the Cup Series, no matter what team it is, whether it's in the front side of the garage or in the back end of the garage, if a team makes a long-term investment in you, that is a hard freaking accomplishment, man. And, um, yeah, I don't think it's a terrible move. I, I really don't. Um, I think that expectations are low for where he's going and the potential is much higher to over overexceed and, and position himself better for the future. And speaking of investing, do your pennies stretch as far as they used to? Most likely it doesn't. Here's why. It took 200 years for the U.S. to print its first $5 trillion. Today, Washington has done that in just three years. The problem, every new dollar makes each one of your dollars worth less, robbing you and every other hardworking American. You can stop this cycle of robbery by diversifying your IRA or 401k into gold, an asset that has stood the test of time. Our new sponsor, Birch Gold Group, has helped tens of thousands of Americans protect their retirement savings with physical precious metals. Now you can too. Get a free info kit on gold right now by texting the word Corey, C-O-R-E-Y, to 989-898. With an A-plus rating with the BBB, you're in good hands with Birch Gold. So get your free info kit by texting Corey to the number 989-898. Go check them out. Put some pennies in some gold. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Pit Road Boats and 
Oh, my appendix hurts. Ripped this thing out this week with Ryan Flores. How was it being a spectator? Do you remember when, who was it, Steve Latart told us that we didn't know how stressful our jobs were until we don't do them? No, but he did. I, he yes, told, I remember him saying that. He, I said, uh, when I when I woke up Sunday morning and watched the race, I said, oh, I remember what he was saying. He, he used a little bit different language when he explained it. But, uh, but yeah, we definitely have stressful jobs. Um, my sister is a psychologist in Vegas, and I was telling her, I'm like, man, I feel like, way different than i usually do on sundays and she's like yeah your cortisol levels are usually probably blasted to hell and i'm like man and she's like your nervous system has to be heightened all day and i like i didn't think about that and that's stuff you really don't think about when you're doing it yeah but uh but yeah i mean i wouldn't best job i ever had like they say in fury right best job i ever best had job I ever had but uh but yeah Great. it was different sitting back and kind of kind of watching it and really for me like I think it's a little bit of a blessing because you, you know, if, if your appendix is going to burst or, you know, luckily mine didn't burst, but if you're going to have to have a surgery like this where you're out four to six weeks, the the best time of the schedule is to do it right now, right? We have this week in Richmond coming up is the last time that we're going to see, you know, full bore, four tire pit stops, like an eight or nine pit stop race until we get to Darlington first round of the playoffs in five or six weeks. So, you know, to miss Pocono, which a lot of the stops were between 12 and 14 seconds waiting on fuel. So you can have your job done, and you know, 10, five, you have enough time to, to do that. And then we're going to go to, like I said, Richmond, but after Richmond, it's Michigan, which will be a lot like Pocono where you're waiting on fuel um, and, and playing the strategy game. And then you have two backwards stop races right in a row with, uh, walk or Indian Watkins Glen, and then you go to to Daytona, where again Super Speedway race gonna gonna be on the fuel man. So yeah, if there's any time to pick a time to get your appendix ripped out and heal up, this is it because I should be ready to go, barring no issues. Hopefully for the playoffs. So you're lighter, so. lighter around the car, mm. lighter on your feet, and lighter for indoor season. I mean, that's how dedicated lighter. you are. Yep, and I'm gonna be. I'm gonna have fresh legs when I come back too, because I'm gonna have a couple weeks. Of, Hanging out, working out, watching you guys on uh, on Sundays, and and uh, I'll be I'll be hungry when I come back, what, so that'll be fun. What's next? Like your spleen? I don't know. Hope not. Sell, Damn, I don't want to cut me. That's the first surgery I ever had. That's yeah. It's the first. That was your first surgery. First surgery I ever had. Yeah, I've been lucky, you know, to have a 15, 15 plus year career changing tires. This have this be my first surgery. I've been pretty pretty healthy so that's been good so this is the first race you've missed as a tire changer since michigan a couple years ago but what it <laughs> yeah uh, what, i've only missed two ever really what what did you take as being a spectator this weekend um i think that it i think the show and the, the car now is just astronomically better than it's ever been and i I really liked kind of the strategy aspect of it and the way it was described. I think NBC did a great job kind of describing what was going on, understanding who had fuel, understanding why you were leading. And really the NASCAR app is like, that's the best $4.99 a month that I spend now that I'm sitting at home because I can watch your in-car. I can watch Joey Logano's in-car. Um, oh my God. Can I, we <laughs> just talk about that for a second? Pull up the audio, Chuck. 
Oh, don't pull it out. Everybody, if you need to see it, you can go find oh it. That's my worth, God. This is too PG, but, but hey, what, what people don't understand is when you're, when, if you're racing Saturday night short track stuff and you're wrecked and the tow trucks taking their time, getting you fixed up, you're not losing laps because the laps under caution don't count. They're, you know, cup racing when those, every time those cars are going by, you're another lap down. And he went from winning the stage and having a car that could win the race to being, you know, watered up backwards in the fence where he thought he didn't have much damage, but they couldn't figure out how to hook the car up. And I think that's been, he, he's one of the guys that pushes the sport forward. And I think that's kind of been a topic of, okay, now that we can't run interliners with these new, you know, 20 inch wheels or whatever they are, eight, what are they, 18 or 20? I do this for a living, by the way. 18s, I think. But, but with the new wheels and tire come with the, with the shorter sidewall, you can't run interliner. So when the cars get a flat, you get stuck and there's so much downforce being generated underneath the car. He, he brings up a good point where he's been pushing for a better way to tow the race cars back to the pits. Once you get a flat, I don't know what that is because you know, having, having wheels and tires on the, on the, like a safety safari. I remember I used to watch back in the day with the NHRA guys that kind of come out there with change your wheels and tires for you. That's a, that's a tough deal. So maybe just like, NASCAR figured out how to drive the tracks more efficiently with the air Titan. We'll figure out kind of how to tow the cars more efficiently moving forward. But his frustration was warranted and he just went full Northeast um, modified guy. Tempers were high. And also though, Joey's car was destroyed when he, like when they did finally get it all tires put back on it, the left rear was facing the grandstands. Like, yeah, I think he hit the fence harder than he uh, thought. Yeah. Yeah. So if you can't drive it back, whether you have four flat tires or whatever, more than likely your car is probably not going to be very good. There, there's good sound from uh, Elton Sawyer on NASCAR.com. He, it, it sounded like he's spoken with Joey. They like the communications are already happening, and they're working with Steps Recovery, I believe, to figure out a way to do this better. Like they recognize that you know this, it's not necessarily ideal right now, but you know, as Flores said. Innovation in NASCAR is a constant thing, and I'm sure we'll find a way to, you know, get these things towed in a more efficient, effective manner. What also is a constant thing is uh, Joey and I watched a thing where Joey and Kevin Harvick, um, Kevin gave Joey some proceeds from the I wear the fire suit, she wears the fire suit in the family uh, T-shirts, and he he made a comment there that still rings true, and, and it's very pertinent to the situation. Joey said, unfortunately, when we make mistakes, it's on live TV and everybody gets to see it. So that happened to him again, um, ironically, at the same racetrack. A couple maybe you think they're going to make a T-shirt later, with all that on there? <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know. I love I don't the passion, know. though. I, I, I like that. You know, it's, I don't know if there's enough ink. Fired <laughs> up. But, uh, but no, dude, but back to the original thing, the NASCAR app, being able to click on your channel and listen to it, being able to click on – you know, just I would listen to, to Blaney's channel, and then when he was getting close to pit, I would watch the in-car to kind of watch the pit stops live time and see what was going on. It was it was really entertaining. Um, I'm listening to the five quite a bit, listening to Cliff and how he works with uh, with Kyle, and even listening to their radio live when they let, after that incident with the 11 was really interesting too. So that NASCAR app uh, definitely is a game changer. You got to get you set up with like a laptop with it up. You can put it on your phone. Get it on an iPad too, so you could actually like scan all of them at the same time. 
Well, my I don't, my dad has nah. a setup. He's got the TV on the broadcast. Yeah. He's got the iPad for my in-car camera. Uh-huh. He's got his phone on my on my audio. Yep. It's not good. It's not good. It's a great setup, but it's not good when your old man has full connectivity to everything that happens at the race. I want, though, to find a way, and I know the technology is coming where we can just sync it all up and there's no lag between any of them. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's what I want to have happen. Well, I – I, I mean it was it was all pretty close like it was all relatively close to um what was going on on the tv and you can always just rewind your tv and and yeah. start there but yeah it was uh it was an interesting weekend i'm really looking forward to, I, I saw a lot the 11 car are our dogs of the week dylan dow and the boys mm. they are uh they were the fastest on pit road they executed they got drugged through the mud a little bit even by their driver earlier in the year um and they come out and they they win Pocono Denny's seventh race those are kind of the some Gabe Hart put up you know even though Denny's won seven of these things the unsung heroes behind them they took a picture in the tunnel turn when they were leaving so good for them guys uh could be the year Merriman where the 11 car wins the championship not with the friends he's making yeah all these all these withdrawals we'll see if somebody else puts some deposits in later in the year we'll see um, but we, we talked about that with Ross last year. My man runs second in the championship. So, I don't know. The 11 is strong. Time and, will tell. And Gibbs, is, and Gibbs is rolling strong right now. Yeah, yeah. Rolling in also. I mean, he's – I don't know if you guys have noticed or not, Denny Ham was pretty good at Richmond as well. Going to have a um, pretty good chance to double it up potentially back-to-back, get a little more playoff points in the bank, but – you guys will have to tune in to find out, just like me. You know who was a little spicy this week in their post-race interview? It was Truex. Truex, yeah, I think he was had the he? best car, and he was just frustrated about that inside line, just couldn't get going on restarts, and he just said, yeah, Danny decided to be dirty, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't do that, and maybe I should have, you know, I would have won. So, you know, Martin, Martin's the guy who's hitting his stride. If he'd have won, if he'd have won two weeks in a row, which it looked like he was going to, you know, that, that 19 team is dangerous too, so – uh, yeah, the Gibbs cars are always good at Richmond. The pit crews are going to shine this weekend like they always do. And um, I look forward to watching kind of our last showcase uh, to see if the, you know, if the, if the Hendrick teams are still leading a bunch uh, on all-out speed because this is going to be our last shot to see just who has the most all-out speed before we get to the back to Darlington and, and start the, the first round of the playoffs. I got a I got a question on the fifty four. Um, so on pit road, Nick was Nick and I were talking about this when we were working on getting the rundown for the show together, and he said the fifty four changer ducks under the fueler to change tires. How much time does that save? But could that potentially cause the uh, changer to run into the fuel? Yeah, that was a we used to call that the Rochambeau back in the old twenty two discount tire Xfinity days. We started doing that in Xfinity years ago because they reduced the size of the neck on the uh, Xfinity gas cans to slow down how fast they can flow to try to slow down pit stops. But yeah, Michael Hicks might be one of those decorated picker guys on, on pit road, but he's also a pretty small guy, so he's able to get through there and uh, duck under there. You see a lot of guys also kind of get up and they just kind of check up and wait for that exchange. With how how long it takes to fill these cars up now, it's somewhere between you know 12 and 14 seconds 
you can either just stand at the left rear headlight and wait for them to, to get out of the way and and then go change the left rear because it's one lug nut, you know, it's going to come, it's going to come off and, and go back on. But also, you know, Gibbs kind of pays bonuses per their uh, pit stop times. It's how they used to do it. I don't know if they do that anymore. So you'll see them guys kind of drop the jack and wait for them to leave on fuel so their pit stop time registers. But like I said, if they're in that window where they're right at the cusp of, you know, it being a, a 10 second pit stop with how much fuel they need going under, having that play to be able to go under the gas man is a big deal. You just hope the gas man doesn't get caught up in, in the hose or something. That's all I got, Chuck. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And we're back. Time for a couple penny for your thoughts, questions, and penny stack of the week. Chuck, fire away. All right, we got one from at B Vice G A W H. They want to know if you had your own race date on the NASCAR Cup schedule at the famed LaJoy Speedway. Hmm. I would what, name it something different, but yeah, yeah, you know. What would the cup race be called? And what supporting series would be there? And what would the trophy look like? Whoa. Yeah. That, <laughs> some thought in that question. Um, I would go, it would probably be like Penny Stack and Fairgrounds or something like that would be the yeah. name of the track. But it would be like the 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 Mobile 1000. <laughs> 1000? Yeah. Okay. All we, right. got a, we got the 500s. We got a couple 300s. Yeah. We got a 301. There's no thousands. It's an children. enduro race. It is an enduro race. All right. Do you think this cup car would last for a thousand miles? Yeah. The way that you assholes drive them. <laughs> and we're going to do it at a short track. You're so run it, 2,000 laps at, at Martinsville? Well, it would be Martinsville with like Bristol Bank. So you'd have guys fall out of the seat. Bro, you'd, you'd be throw up. <laughs> yeah, somebody, somebody's throwing up. <clears throat> yeah. Okay. It's a test of physical, literally mental, would be like spiritual r- endurance. Riding on the back of the Tasmanian Devil as he's <laughs> spinning all those yeah, cartoons. Yeah, it would. You have to conserve brakes because some teams would probably like to not put brakes on it. I always thought it would be cool the, to do like the a, Mobile One Thousand, a full circle track, like not have any straightaways, just like, one like new, a- curve. Like new Asheville Speedway back <laughs> in the just, day. It's just circle. God, you'd get out and your <laughs> would be spinning for a week. <laughs> What's <laughs> Like, Shit's still spinning. Yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, oh, oh, will the accompany series be? Yeah. Like MotoGP. Okay. Okay. And then what's the trophy going to look like? Woodendale. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> like, but but 
you know what I would do? It would be a wooden Dale, but it would be somebody like you see it in the host, like in the in the fan zone chainsaw with a chainsaw, yeah, yeah. legitimately carving a Dale Earnhardt <laughs> lifestyle statue <laughs> with a with a checkered flag during the race. Yes, it's hand carved. And the, the last yeah. little tink of the top little branch you knock yeah. off the chainsaw is when you arrive in victory. Okay, okay, I, I like that. I, I like mean, it. talk about a show. Yeah, that's a like a multifaceted show. Yes. All right, that's a good one. That was a, that was a good question. I like the answer. To yes. That. All right, next one comes from Maastricht eighty nine, and they want to know how do you handle standing up for yourself versus retaliating. Ooh, it's tricky bounce. Um, you know, you got some guys, you know, i.e. Austin Dillon, right? He feels like he's been getting run over. Ryan Priest, same thing with, you know, Kyle Larson at Bristol and McDowell. And, and I got into him this weekend. Like, I think it's subjective to the incident, but it's also subjective to, to how and how much you feel like you were wronged. So I think at the end of the day, you race people how they race you, and that's where you ultimately get your respect. But, you know, at the end of the day, every lap, every track is different. So, I don't know. I think that anymore you just have to put yourself in a in a position to not get – maybe in a little bit of a defensive position and not put yourself in, in a vulnerable spot to get crashed and maybe try to put somebody else in a vulnerable position. That's how you um, make sure you're not the one getting crashed. All right. This last one comes from Huggy Bear 76. And Huggy wants to know if you're a playoff bound driver that gets into an on track altercation with another playoff bound driver, do you hold the retaliation until sometime in the playoffs or get them back as soon as the next race just to be done with it? See, I don't, I, I think that it's, it has to be same event. Like, because if, you wait four weeks and then you spin somebody out what looks like it's intentional. People have already forgotten what took place originally. So I feel like if you get spun out or felt wronged, the next opportunity in that event is where any retaliation or any sort of shenanigans should take place personally. The only thing, like your, your version of retaliation, if it's not the same week, is a lesser obvious level of retaliation, right? It's blocking somebody. It's arrow blocking somebody for many more laps than you would arrow block somebody if they were faster than you. It's if they pick behind you or in front of you uh, in, on pit road, you're playing games in the box, stopping short, stopping long, stopping with the right retire out to impede their day. Um, so there's a lot of games you can play that aren't as obvious as going up and straight up spinning somebody out. Okay. I yeah. dig it. Dig it. Well, that's all we got for questions on Penny for Your Thoughts. Well, I got a good I got a good Penny Stacker of the week. My man's name is Elliot Gundy. So his dad sent an email to Leanne, which got forwarded to me today. The email read this. Good evening, Corey. I hope you and your family enjoyed your trip throughout the Northeast before heading to Pocono. So I wanted to share that my two-and-a-half-year-old son, Elliot, might be one of your youngest fans. Took my LaJoy hat and wanted to wear it most of the weekend at Pocono. He doesn't speak much because of his disability, but his actions speak loud and clear. I've been following you and your father throughout the years. Thank you for your perseverance in racing. I'm thrilled that my son is able to cheer for LaJoy as well. I attached a few photos from Pocono 
that might bring some joy to you. I believe he was blowing you a kiss in the last photo. Your fans, Eric, Meg, and Elliot Gundy. So he attached some cool pictures. I've got to meet and greet these guys at the Dorman tent. My man, Eric, the dad, was wearing a stack and pennies with Court of the Joy shirt. And my man, Elliot, was wearing a Chase Elliot shirt and a Joy hat. So shout out, Elliot. You, sir, are the penny stacker of the week. And you guys are penny stackers of the week as well, but not quite as much as Elliot is. Uh, so make sure you guys like, comment, rate, review, all the things. And tune in this weekend for some spare change. We're going to break down and take our picks for Richmond for the cookout for Hundo. Appreciate you guys, and make sure you continue to keep stacking pennies. Presented by Mobile One.